Welcome to Uncontained, episode 179. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and on the show today, my guest comes highly recommended from a past guest of mine, Jarrell Hall. You may remember him from episode 58 and episode 172, where we talk about him doing the motion capture for the White Walker in uh, in Game of Thrones and also doing some work in uh, John Wick 3 as well. So having a recommendation come from him means a lot. And it was well-deserved. Steve Huff is my guest today, and he is the founder of Creative Combat, a fight school that focuses on uh, training people to fight for film, how to use uh, weapons in those fights. We talk about some of Steve's favorite weapons, including some ancient ones. And, well, I'll just give you a clue. It involves throwing tomahawks, which is pretty badass. Uh, Steve is also a fight choreographer. And we talk about the difference between real life fighting and fighting on screen and how they differ from each other. So please uh, stick around, listen to the episode. If you enjoy it, please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast player, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you want to listen to. One of my uh, favorite ones recently is PodCoin, where you can actually get paid for listening to uh, podcasts. But there's there's a lot of great podcast players out there, including Himalaya. Subscribe on all of them if you want and help people find out about this show. I won't keep you waiting any longer. I want to dive right into this interview with fight choreographer and instructor extraordinaire Steve Huff. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be on the show. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. You came highly recommended by uh, one of my past guests, uh, Jarrell Hall. Uh, after talking to him, he's like, you really need to talk to Steve Huff. He's like one of the guys that you know I work for and also teaches me some of the cool stuff that I do. <laughs> so uh, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to come on Uncontained. Um, now, let's just get started a little bit. Start with something basic. Like, how did you get into doing uh, fight choreography? Uh, you know, it's one of those things where I never would have thought I would have ended up where I am now. Um, okay. You know, I, I got into uh, martial arts as a kid back in the 70s, you know, and that was, you know, like seeing all of the Bruce Lee and the Chuck Norris movies in the drive-in. Um, and then of course Star Wars came out and I wanted more than anything else to be able to swing a lightsaber. Um, <laughs> so eventually I started getting into doing some different types of weapons, uh, predominantly like a, a Chinese martial arts background, various forms of Kung Fu, uh, which incorporates a lot of weaponry and then started branching out into different styles and just kept going ever since I was a kid. Uh, so it was always kind of a passion. Um, I also really got into Dungeons and Dragons uh, as a kid, so okay. um, that kind of fueled my interest in European weaponry, um, which then led to like reading up on knights and things like that, which uh, kind of uh, led to a, a passion for history as well. So I kind of put the, the love of weapons and the interest in history together. And just found myself drawn to studying a lot of different fighting styles, 
um, but also like uh, researching the culture around them uh, to try to gain a better understanding of when you're looking at fighting arcs as a whole across the spectrum, you know, time and different cultures, why are some things the same? Why are some things different? And uh, okay. that was kind of what I really was drawn to. And then that just led to always having, you know, an interest in action films and all of that, obviously, because of the, the martial arts and then the fantasy films and sci-fi genre. Um, I started teaching at workshops and then started traveling uh, internationally teaching and I started meeting a wider variety of people, including stunt performers and a lot of stage combat people. And then I just kind of started being invited more and more to teach workshops um, where they were getting into fighting for film. And I'd always had a, you know, a dream to get into doing fights and stunts, but I grew up on the East Coast, so that was just kind of difficult. Um, Understandable. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, about six years ago, an opportunity came up. I had gone through some major life changes, and uh, opportunity came up to move out to L.A., and so in my 40s, I left a tenured teaching position to come out and come to Hollywood. <laughs> oh, cool. That that had to be a big step. So what sparked the move from the East Coast? Is that where your tenured position was, I'm just assuming? Yes. Yeah, I was okay. a high school teacher, actually. Okay. All right. So what sparked the move or what gave you that uh, go like inspiration to pack up and move out west to Hollywood? Well, uh, like I said, it was one of those things that, you know, was kind of always in the back of my mind and I kind of always, you know, what if, you know, what if when I was younger, I had gone out and followed, you know, that dream then. Um, but it just didn't go that way. And, you know, life went one direction. I ended up, uh, I got married. We were both teachers and then uh, went through a divorce. We were still, uh, it was pretty amicable. Um, okay. But... I had just gotten to the point where I, I continued to teach and live roughly in the same area for another couple of years, but I just, I never felt grounded. I never felt like I belonged. Even growing up, I always felt just kind of different. And then I just, like, the opportunity came up and uh, I, I gave it a lot of thought and I just realized I, why not? I, I really had nothing to lose. Very cool. And, you know, you said something that seems to run like through a lot of people in the entertainment industry. It's like growing up, I just felt different. I uh, didn't quite feel like you fit in. I, it, it seems to be a common thread, just an observation. Yeah, well, I think with artistic people that that just it really tends to be the case um, because it is something that makes you seek different and a lot of times if you're in an area where that just isn't really you know supported it can be hard and finally i just got to that point where it's like you know i i need a change yeah definitely man i you know i kind of went through the same thing uh be, growing up in the midwest you know i finally got out here to california i'm up in the bay area now but uh taking that first step to move out is is a big one you know to go out uh, to play a place where you don't know, don't really know anybody. And uh, I, I commend you on that, my friend. Now, uh, if we, we can go back just a little bit. You mentioned that you played D&D &D as a kid. Do you think that helped develop your um, 
desire for uh, fight choreography or did it uh, touch a different aspect to help inspire you? Um, it was absolutely a, a vital part of that whole side of my life. Uh, you know, when I was a kid and the rest of the neighborhood kids were playing football and all of that, you know, it, I just, I was never really any good at it. Um, you know, but I, I had a friend of mine that we were getting into D and D with and all of that. And we were making, you know, swords out of broomsticks and okay. uh, shields out of trash can lids and, you know, going off on adventures into the woods. Um, and it was definitely like the, the whole thing with D and D that really got me looking at, you know, like a lot of the old Errol Flynn movies, um, just to see something different than, you know, the fighting that I was used to in like a lot of the Eastern martial arts films. And then, uh, you know, it, it just, it kept pushing me to look at, to, to really broaden my view of, of different martial arts, you know, to realize that there was a, a diverse martial culture beyond just what most of us are used to, you know, with a lot of the Eastern martial arts. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got a question about uh, uh, fight choreography or film fighting versus like, say, if you had like a street fight or something in real life, do the two um, do if you can do one, can you do the other? Uh, or is it two different or completely different sets of skills? Oh, that's such a good question because that is something that is so misunderstood. It is absolutely different. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking, uh, you know, I'm a, a black belt in whatever martial art, um, you know, a champion kickboxer or whatever, so I'm going to go out to Hollywood and become a star. And that was much more true in like the early 80s and, you know, I guess into the early 90s, you know, like a lot of the martial artists that became the action stars, but they weren't winning any Oscars for their, their performance, right? Um, yeah. But now action films tend to be a little smarter, a little, you know, more of a storyline, you know, just a higher uh, caliber of film. To think that you could just jump right into doing the fight choreography. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a whole different world. You have to understand camera angles. You have to understand body mechanics and how all of these, these things that just don't exist in a real fight. For me, that was the biggest challenge was coming from spending a couple of decades of my life pursuing a martial approach and a combative approach and then having to do things that like I would never do in real life, um, you know, to uh, break certain rules um, that okay. in real combat you would not want to do, like telegraphing. But if you telegraph too much, then it starts to look fake and, you know, people can tell it's it's choreography. But if you keep everything yeah. like you would in a real fight, then it's too subtle. It's too fast. And real fights are sloppy. You know, even between trained fighters, they're not as entertaining as people would think. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it also the fights should tell a story. And a lot of times real fights just don't. Um, OK, makes sense. Yeah, it's like, you know, you have to keep in mind that even if you're doing a gritty, ultra realistic, very short uh, fight in a film, it still has to tell a story through the camera. The audience still has to see it in a particular light. Okay. 
So between screen fighting and another comparison I can think of is like WWE style fighting. I know like The Rock and John Cena have made the transition, but and both like, you know, people say that the WWE is fake. Yes, it's scripted. But then it's like, well, so are movies. But people don't necessarily say anything about that. But is are they similar enough? And is that why, like, say, The Rock and John Cena were able to make that jump successfully? Or are they still two different ball games? It's a much closer uh, approach with things like that because they are scripted. Um, and the thing is, if you have some kind of martial training or even just good athletic ability, you know, coordination, balance, and all of that, and if you understand your basic core concepts, uh, timing, distance, and proportion, these are the three things that I focus on in both uh, my combative classes and my fighting for film. Um, okay. And these are things that you develop in both worlds. It's just learning to apply those concepts differently. You know, if you're a professional wrestler, you're already used to moving, you're already used to going in. And while their fights are choreographed, they're still obviously much more physical than what you're generally going to see on, you know, on a film set. Um, You know, a lot of those moves, if they were really doing them to each other, people would be dying. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So you still, even there, you know, live performance is so much harder than, uh, you know, than doing film because there's no back to one in a live performance. Um, And with them doing the fights there in the middle of the stage, you're also looking at, having to sell those hits to a 360-degree crowd. So you can't hide the hit, right? They have to take some of those hits. So they really have to understand how to do that safely. You know, it's very, very hard. It's probably easier for them to go to a movie set because they're already used to fighting under a certain constraint and then shifting over than it would be for, you know, like a, a professional MMA fighter to switch directly over to film. Okay, yeah, because they're actually hitting people and not having to worry about... They're doing more the real street-style fighting opposed to um, making it look good for camera. I I gotcha. I'm following you here. So I was reading uh, an article on you or a bio on you, and it was talking about your love for the history and ancient weapons. Like, What what are some of the coolest ancient weapons that uh, you have skills with? Uh, At least in your own opinion. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that seems to be very popular, and I, I get brought in to teach um, to teach a lot of workshops, um, is gladiatorial combat. Looking at the realities of gladiatorial combat as opposed to what okay. people are used to seeing in Hollywood, um, and that's one of my like one of my favorites to really to really get into. Uh, and then tomahawk and knife. Okay. The, the tomahawk and knife is mainly what I'm really known for. Uh, I trained with one of the men that's considered, you know, the top, uh, Colonel Dwight McLemore. And, uh, like, he's one of the top edged, edged weapons experts in the world, especially when it comes okay. to tomahawk and knife. So I was very lucky to be able to train under him for many, many years. Very cool. And I see you're starting, I actually saw this on Facebook uh, today, that you have a uh, class coming up teaching tomahawk and knife uh, fighting. Yeah, yeah. 
Unfortunately, that one will actually happen before this episode airs because that's happening this weekend as we're talking. But yes. uh, but you're saying you're starting a series of uh, a series of classes. Is it dealing with ancient weapons or what? What can one expect for expect if they sign up for the class? Well, the uh, the class this, this coming weekend is going to be the first in an ongoing series of workshops, and that's going to cover a wide variety of weapons from ancient world to modern, um, but then also looking at different approaches to film fighting. Some will be like we're going to have a whole, whole workshop on wrecks and reactions, how to take punches, how to take falls, and how to look like you've actually gotten hit which is surprisingly difficult um you know and then we'll have some that are going to be on you know uh very specific fight choreography things like uh throwing punches and kicks in a variety of ways and how to understand how to change that for the camera angle and then some might be you know sci-fi laser sword for film so it's just going to Things are just going to keep changing. We'll recycle some of the classes, but we want to offer a wide variety for people to, to train in. And will this be available to like all skill levels, or do you need some sort of background going into this to you know be able to keep up with the class? We're going to offer both. Um, most of them will be open to all skill levels, but then we are going to offer more intermediate and advanced classes for people that already have a higher skill set and need something a little more complex. And uh, additionally, we're going to look to bring in guest instructors. Um, the other instructors at Creative Combat, uh, Hunter Smith, Jarrell Hall, Robert Brown, they're going to be offering, you know, things in their their areas of, of specialty. Yeah, I've actually had both Jarrell and Hunter on the show. And when I, when I was uh, talking to Hunter, uh, he mentioned before the interview is like uh, check out my uh, fire reel and I thought he was talking like a sizzle reel because I was talking to some people you know but I was like oh crap this is actually fire that's really cool so will he be teaching fire classes or is there too much liability in that (laughs) Uh, that one's that one's a little tricky um, especially because we rent a training space inside of a larger building Um, so that would would make that difficult Uh, but yes Hunter is definitely Definitely multi-talented individuals. <laughs> There's kind of a running joke that whenever I get a call about a film project, I call everybody together. And I'm like, all right, so somebody's going to get put through a table and somebody's going to get lit on fire. And we all automatically look at Hunter. <laughs> Fair enough. I need to get him back on the show, too. I've been talking to him a little bit about making that happen. But uh, so so. Is this going to be like a weekly class or is it going to be happen like monthly or is there a frequency set up for these? Well, the workshops are going to be monthly. Um, and then we do have ongoing weekly classes. Uh, right now, I currently teach classes Monday and Wednesday nights um, from 7 to 8 and then 8 to 9 p.m. And uh, like Monday nights, it's usually some kind of European uh weapon usually like german or italian long sword um we'll do some sword and buckler um and then uh more like empty hand combatives and modern you know stick and knife things uh whereas wednesdays where we get into more of the fighting for film um so these are going to be workshops that are going to be offered in addition to our regular weekly ongoing classes and what is uh the website 
It's uh, creativecombatla.com. And so they can go uh, to creativecombatla.com to find out more information on these classes if, if they're in the area and want to sign up. Yeah, yeah. And it generally has a list of, of what classes are going on in any upcoming events that we'll be at or uh you know any workshops that we're going to be hosting really cool man really cool if i find myself down in the la area if i know about it in advance i may have to sign up for something you know i i used to do the whole fighting with uh sticks and stuff like that as a kid with my brother it always started out as play until we locked shins or something (laughs) yeah and then it turned real but what is like your strategy or your mindset when going into a job as a fight choreographer? What do you, what do you like to have lined up or aspects do you focus on the most when you're choreographing for a film? You know, that's a tricky question because it could be a different situation every time. Um, but usually, you know, I really like to work on projects where it's not just a fight for the sake of a fight being in there. You know, it's not just okay. violence for the sake of violence. You know, I, I like it when it's actually something that means something. You know, now if it's the lead character working their way through the, you know, the lower level villains till they get to the big boss, then that's one thing. But, you know, if it's just going to be a quick little fight that doesn't really make sense, you know, it's harder to really get into that. Um, okay, fair enough. You know, it's just there's... So many times where the fights just don't really fit the story in films. Um, And, you know, it's like the most realistic fight is not always the best fight. One of my favorite fights of all time, film fights of all time, is the fight in The Princess Bride. (laughs) The sword fight? Which which fight? The one where, like, oh, but I'm left-handed. Yes. uh, Okay. That is a great movie. (laughs) Um, And it is. And the thing is, that fight... There is nothing really martially sound, nothing real in that fight other than the names of the masters that they're throwing out. It's all very golden age of Hollywood swashbuckler style fight choreography. There is really very little that they're doing with those weapons that you would actually do with those weapons. But it's such a great fight because it brings those characters together in a way that just dialogue isn't going to do it. Yeah. And that's something that whenever I, I break down a fight scene, um, you know, just like if, if I'm playing a character in a script, I'm going to break it down. I'm going to look at every little bit of motivation. Same thing with the fight sequence. I'm going to break it down. Why are these characters fighting? What is the tone of the story? You know, is it going to be very ultra modern, gritty, realistic, close quarter, a lot of quick hits, throws and things like that? You know, like uh, John Wick and that type of vibe, or is it going to yeah. be... You know, something a little more stylized, like maybe uh, like Into the Badlands has very beautiful, very nice stylized types of fights. Yes, definitely. I I enjoy that show. I haven't watched it for a while, but I need to get back into that. Sorry. Sorry for the sidebar. Yeah, no, no worries. I agree. You know, but that's just a good example of how you can take and create a fight scene that they're doing things that we all know you can't really do. But it fits the story. It fits the world that they've created. Yeah. You know, so that's one of the things that a lot of people don't stop to think is, does this fit the story? You know, it's like, as much as I love that that Princess Bride fight, if you take that fight and drop it into Game of Thrones or into the Badlands, it's no longer a great fight because it just doesn't fit. 
Yeah, it's too campy for that. Right. But, the, but in Princess Bride, it fits. I see what you're saying. Exactly. exactly. And that's just that's a part of it that people don't realize it goes beyond just being able to put together moves. You have to be able to create a story. You have to be able to create a tone in the fight that fits what you're trying to do. Uh, I've had to do fights where they've been set to music and you know, very specific beats. You have to have certain actions. I did a music video where they had three very specific beats that they wanted the characters to happen in a sword fight. And then the rest of it was up for me to decide. Okay. So I hit those beats and then I just kind of made the, the video where it looks like they're dancing almost with a lot of spiraling <laughs> movement. Okay. Okay. Is it more difficult if you have to uh, set it to music, I'm guessing? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, then you've got to find that right tempo. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough, man. So before you got into doing fight uh, choreography, was there, was there a choreographer that you looked up to? Like, uh, again, it had been something I'd been interested in for a while, even before I, I really got into it. Um, and some of my favorite films, you know, it's the legendary greats like William Hobbs did the, he was a, a very prolific fight choreographer back from the seventies on and, uh, even longer. And he did like the, uh, the Oliver Reed, Michael York, three musketeers and four musketeers and the fights in that okay. are just gorgeous. Um, and then Bob Anderson is another legend. He did the princess bride, but he, he worked with Errol Flint. So he's had a huge, huge career. He worked on the original star Wars films. Uh, he worked on like the Highlander TV show. So, you know, these are two wow. of the guys that are incredible. Um, Braun McGash is a Canadian fight choreographer, did a lot of things on the, the Highlander TV show, which that was probably one of the other things that really started to make me think about, you know, I, I, could get into doing fights and things for film and uh it was like watching his work with that that also just made me start thinking outside of the martial box really looking at bringing different weapons that had never met historically together and seeing what happens very interesting man so um as a instructor and a choreographer like what advice would you have for somebody who is looking to get involved in in film fighting? Go beyond just your physical training. Read up as much as you can on understanding the film process. For me that was the biggest hurdle, understanding camera angles. Like I would build a great fight and then it would dawn on me that I'm like, "Oh wait, I have to be able to change this to fit different angles." So do your homework, you know, know what different, what different camera angles mean, know who does what on set. So if you need anything, you know who to go to, you know, don't just focus on your physical ability and, you know, spend a lot of time looking at physical movement, not just fights, but look at how body language tells so much. One of the things that I really focus on in uh, some of my classes is if you're playing a trained fighter, even if you're not in a fight scene, if you walk into the room, there's a way you should move, right? There's there's a way that highly trained fighters or people that are just very skilled with the way they move, there's a certain way that they move that other people can kind of pick up on. One of my instructors called it a savage grace. A and savage it's just, grace, I like that. Yeah, it's... It, it's a fluidity of movement and 
if you're playing a highly trained character, to me, it's more important that you learn to get that fluidity of movement than just pick up a bunch of moves. Because you can pick up the moves if you don't have the right body mechanics behind it, it's not going to sell the illusion. That that's some good advice right there too, and because I I have noticed like you know you see some kind of the the savage grace or the like the badass walk into the room in, mm-hmm. in a film and you're like oh that guy's gonna mess some stuff up you know <laughs> or like uh, the don't want to start anything with that guy so I, I see what you're saying it's about like it's kind of a confidence and taking up the proper amount of space too you know right right you know it's that being fluid in the moment that being braced and ready for whatever can happen yeah yeah all right cool man so (laughs) this just came to me but you you started out teaching uh then you got into the fighting have you ever did you ever have that one like class clown or that one like trouble student that you envision while you're doing your fights (laughs) So uh, my teaching experience was different than most uh, because I taught alternative education. Um, I okay. taught kids that were classified as emotionally disturbed. So they were technically, they fell under uh, special education laws, but rather than having some sort of learning disability, it was emotional dis- uh, disturbance. Um, you know, a lot of them were former gang members um, and just from some really horrible situations. So part of that training uh, in that program uh, was a, a system of uh, nonviolent crisis intervention. So a lot of diffusion, a lot of de-escalation, uh, a lot of things of that nature, which a lot of the body language and all of that, that I now bring into things when I'm building a fight and you know, like a, a situation that's real world experience I can draw on, you know, cause there were kids that I had to watch and their body language. It's like, okay, I can tell by the way he's standing. I can tell by the way he's looking around, he's getting ready to, to lash out. So I need to you know, just calm things down. Okay. So do you take that, like bo- the body language that you witness there and incorporate it into your fight scenes then? Right. Like if uh, somebody's about to, about to start something, you're like, oh, I saw this back when I was teaching on the East Coast. The student stood up and did this and reenact that in a way. Right. It's all about learning the body language. And again, that goes so far beyond just the choreography. You know, I can, one of the drills that I love doing is to take simple choreo, four or five moves, and then have them give me three different relationships between those two characters without adding any dialogue or changing the choreo, just in the way they step up to each other, use their body language, settle into the fight, and just in the way they move during the fight. Are they both really angry at each other? Is one, you know, is it a master and former student and the master doesn't want to fight even though they know they can take the student down these are relationships that if you understand body language body positioning you can do that without even ever uttering a word that's acting the fight ah nice nice that's it's cool that you can adapt your past experiences into this and kind of like evolve use that teaching experience to better express what you want to get across on film so that that's really cool right there yeah you know life has a way of no matter what different paths you go down throughout throughout your life 
you always seem to find a way that each new experience finds a way to bring something from your past experiences, even if they're not directly related. You know, it's like you're always just finding something to draw back on, something to, to bring into the present. And you know, that's one of the reasons I love what I do, because it's constantly given me a different creative challenge. So I'm constantly being able to go back and draw from my own experience and, and things that I might not have even thought about for you know, 10, 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It proves the show. You just need to pay attention to like your surroundings and what you're doing may come back and uh, be beneficial to you, even if it's not what you want to be doing at the moment. Like, what would you say you do right now to promote yourself either as a uh, fight choreographer or promote uh, creative combat? Well, right now, you know, the, the things that most people do, the social media, uh, you know, the, the Instagram, Facebook, and, and so on. Uh, and then just, I'm always, whenever I'm meeting people, doing a project, I'm always just like, you know, finding out more about them. And a lot of times everybody's got something going on or they know somebody. And so just keeping that network going um, and just letting people know when somebody does express an interest in what I do, explaining to them what makes me different, in my opinion, from some of the other, you know, because there are some amazing fight choreographers, you know, it's not an easy, easy <laughs> industry. You know, there, there, there's some good competition. And, you know, I, I just try to let people know what my approach is, because um, sometimes I feel like I do have different perspectives on things. Uh, I do a lot of going out, um, teaching at different events. Uh, we just all came back. Hunter and Jarrell and I were all up, and Rob, too. Um, we're all up in Vegas just a couple of weekends ago teaching at a Combat Con, which is a four-day oh, cool. martial arts experience uh, up there. And then word of mouth. Word of mouth is huge for for any business, really. So yeah. podcasts, fight fight school, um, anything like that. So if you can get people talking about you, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, and you know, just stay in the loop. With with the entertainment industry, half of the job is networking and getting out there and meeting people. You know, it, you may not want to go to the event that you were invited to but you never know who you're going to meet and that's that's one of the other things is just you never know who the person the next person you're going to run into out in public is going to be and you, know, you just got to be ready whenever the opportunity comes up to let people know hey this is who i am this is what i'm about if we can work together great if not you know i wish you luck very true, man. I actually came across one of my interviews in line at the grocery store. Uh, there was this guy who was just kind of singing to himself. I was like, hey, man, what you singing? He's like, I'm singing my song. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I have a song on iTunes. And he's like, I was on, uh, I was on American Idol. And nice. uh, his name's Rocky Peters. And it turned out to be like an awesome interview just because of his backstory and everything like that. But it just goes to show you never know when you're going to come across somebody that could you know be very interesting or even helpful for your career you know right so what would you say would be a highlight or two from your career that you care to share yeah it's uh so many things happen i've had so many awesome experiences but 
hands down one of my favorites. Going back to the Princess Bride, um, they did a screening over at the uh, Vista Theater on Sunset. Okay. They did a screening of the movie. Carrie Always was there to get his handprint and footprint in the concrete right outside of the theater. Oh, and, nice. And uh, he was also selling his book, um, you know, his, his account of the making of, of the film, and just there kind of answering questions. Uh, Hunter and I were actually hired to recreate the Wesley Inigo fight in the front of the <laughs> theater, right in front of the screen, right before the whole event kicked off. And Carrie always had no idea. And so they they introduce, you know, they, they bring him up. There's like 500 people in this crowd. And this was one of my first live performances coming out here. So I still would get a bit, you know, get a little bit nervous. And then I'm looking at, I'm dressed as Wesley looking at Carrie Elways from behind the curtain. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, what if I screwed this up? What if something goes wrong? And we're both fighting left-handed in the beginning. So uh, rather than just recreate that film move for move, we had a much shorter time. So we kind of created our own little bit of choreo, but we had to have, you know, the hand switch into certain beats. And just doing it, it was such a rush. It got to the point when... I went to switch to my right hand and deliver the line that, you know, I'm not left-handed either. I couldn't even say it because the crowd just screamed it at the top of their lungs. And <laughs> they were just so into it. And throughout the fight, Hunter and I kept glancing over at Kerry Elways, and oh, he just had this enormous smile. And you could tell he was just really into it. And nice. uh, at the end, we, you know, we went off. And then it was time for him to, you know, to speak. And before he did anything, he brought us back out there and, uh, you know, spoke with us for a minute and shook our hands. And then uh, he ended up giving me a copy of his book and he inscribed it to Steve, the only other Wesley, which was pretty great. <laughs> so. That's That's awesome right there, man. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. To have the approval of the guy who played the role in the first place is, you know, yeah. is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is an awesome highlight right there. Dude. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had a few. Um, another one, uh, Hunter and I were doing live gladiator fights for a uh, convention based around the old show Spartacus. And yeah. uh, he and I ended up squaring off against Liam McIntyre and Manu Bennett, who uh, Liam McIntyre took over the role of Spartacus and uh, Manu Bennett played Crixus. So it was basically Hunter and I looking at each other and then looking across the sand at the two characters from from the show getting ready to do a gladiator fight with these two these two actors so again that was pretty pretty intense pretty amazing awesome dude awesome sounds like it's a job you can have a lot of fun with and i'm sure it's stressful at times but it sounds like you know being able to get out there and and play fight for a living in a way uh, not to demean what not to demean what you do by any means. Um, oh no, I I get it. You know, it's like <laughs> I I get to play make believe. You know, I I get to I get to be a pirate one week, and you know, I just came off of being a '80s style action hero off of a project uh, just last weekend that we've been shooting for a few weeks. Um, you know, I've been a Russian ninja. 
Yeah. A Russian ninja? That's yeah. Nice. You never know. You never know what you're going to be. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So um, now when you are working, when you are like doing stunt choreography or in, even in, in class teaching people, what do you want people to take away from the experience of working with you? The main thing that I want people to really be able to take away is just learning how to be more in touch with their body. Um, learning how to be able to move better, to be able to be just more aware of what's around them. You know, the reality of set is there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of things going on, and that can be very intimidating the first time you're trying to do a fight because you've got to keep in mind, you know, where's the light? Where's the camera? What are the moves? You know, where am I supposed to fall? You know, I have to make sure that I step in with the right foot every take or it's not going to match up. These are a lot of things that, you know, it's all going on. And, you know, it's just by by training, by getting this constant familiarity with yourself and your immediate surroundings, it makes it a lot easier. The less you have to worry about basic mechanics like footwork, balance, body awareness, the more you can focus on the other things. It makes it a lot safer. And just really, really getting people to understand that just like anything else, if you don't have the training, faking it can get people hurt. I know people that have been maimed because they don't have the training and they thought that they, well, they know how to handle a sword. They've watched movies. How hard could it be? (laughs) Yeah. And. It's definitely something you want uh, to have the training with, especially handling weapons. You know, it right. sounds like a no-brainer, but, you know, some people are like, oh, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's one of the things that surprises me how often people don't realize how even the smallest physical movements can be dangerous. I've been brought in to do things as seemingly simple as a high school kid walking back to his desk gets tripped by another kid. And that just seems like it'd be nothing. But I was brought in to show the kid how to sell being tripped without actually losing his balance and then falling. And it was one of those things where that production, somebody was smart enough to realize, well, if we're going to have him trip him and he falls, that's kind of on us. We should probably get somebody that actually knows how to make this happen. Yeah. So is there a trick to falling but not falling? Are falling control in controlled manners? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you fall. You, you just got to fall. But it's knowing, you know, that's when you pad up um, or you put a pad down. But for a lot of things, a lot of times you have to be able to take the fall and take it into a role. You know, it's just like doing uh, Aikido, for example, or Judo or Jiu-Jitsu. Any of those where you have a you know, chance of getting thrown. You learn your, your break falls. Um, same thing with this. You learn how to take these falls safely, but make it look like you're really taking a hard a hard fall. You know, those are simple things that a lot of people just, especially when you're working on a smaller project, they don't think about it. Next thing you know, people are getting hurt. Yeah, does the does the camera angles and everything help sell it too, or is it like, or like sometimes you look at it as like, okay, they did that in two takes, like he f- like went down like this and then caught and then it shows him kind of on the ground. Um, is that is that I don't know is that a common way to do it, or if you know what you're doing, can you sell it easily without those cuts? 
Um, it, it really depends on the, the particular situation. Uh, if you don't have the ability to actually show somebody hitting the ground, um, then doing it showing like maybe the beginning of the movement and then cutting away to the person you know, just on the ground and making it look like they've hit the ground is a good way to do it. Um, if you're careful, and again, as I was saying earlier, aware of that movement, then you can usually get things to match up. A lot of times you see where they throw the person one way and then it just looks like the person was laying on the ground because it's poor editing or you know, <laughs> just something didn't line up. Fair enough. All right, man. Well, it's been a blast talking to you. Actually, we're getting close to that final question right now. Uh, but before I get to that, where can people get a hold of you online if they want to take a class at uh, Creative Combat or just uh, let you know that they heard you here on Uncontained? Yeah, so uh, the, the Creative Combat uh, website is uh, creativecombatla.com. And then we're on Facebook under Creative Combat. Um, and then Instagram, it's creative.combat. Okay, great. And they can they can hit you up there and uh, inquire about the classes, which sound really cool, by the way. I want to learn how to throw a tomahawk and knives and stuff like that. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. All right, Steve. It is that time for the final question of the show. It's actually the title question of the show. Steve Huff. How do you live uncontained? You know, with with this industry, one of the hardest things that I face every day is the fact that I'm almost 50. And most of my competition <laughs> have either been doing this for 30 or 40 years, you know, if they're my age, or they're in their 20s. Yeah. And for me, I, I faced a lot of, you're a little little too old to try this or, you know, a lot of, you know, you know, you don't heal as well and, you know, get up as quick <laughs> as you did and all of that. And it didn't matter to me that there was nothing anybody could have told me because I made the decision that this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I, I went about it as smart as I could, but... You know, being walking away from a career to try something new in your 40s, something that is by no means guaranteed and, you know, it's a day-to-day -day fight, but it's all about what do you want? How hungry are you for what you want? And no matter what anybody told me, no matter even now when people sometimes tell me, well, maybe you should look into doing something else, you know, people have mentioned falling back on previous careers and all of that, it's like... I'll find a way. I will find a way. I'm not ready to give up that fight. You have to be ready to just keep going. And I just, I will not accept you're not going to be able to do it. To me, that, that phrase just does not even exist in my world anymore. Um, I just have to keep going and going and going. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what I can or can't do. I'm going to be the one who decides that. I like that determination, man. I like that. That's an attitude that it seems like you have to have in order to make it doing something in the entertainment industry. Man, that that. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, I have one final thing for you to do, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. And will you do me the honor of signing off the show today? Absolutely. Anything that you want, you can get. You just got to go after it. And that's what you always have to keep in mind. I'm Steve Huff, 
and that's how I live uncontained. And that does it for another episode of Uncontained. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Steve Huff for joining me and sharing his story right here on Uncontained. Please uh, hit him up on his social media, which will be in the show notes, and uh, check him out at creativecombatla.com. And while you're surfing the web, Uncontained is online as well. Uncontainedpod.com or at uncontainedpod at Facebook, Instagram, and we also dabble in Twitter a little bit. So find us there. Also, you can get the audio on YouTube as well. So uh, check it out. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening. And those fight classes that he's offering, the weekend series that he's doing once a month, sound badass. So if you're in the L.A. area and want to learn to throw a tomahawk or a knife or... Uh, some other aspect of film fighting that'd be awesome to check out you can do it at creativecombatla.com thanks again for listening and until next time live uncontained <laughs>